outside but we're here together and that's a good thing you made it this morning you got out the door you made it to church man I'm just so grateful um, that we get to worship together this morning that we get to celebrate what God is doing Uh, just take a look into our community thank you for Janine just for reminding us of just what opportunity there is right around us in our neighborhood to love people um, and to continue with that spirit of generosity that we have as a church. Man, it's so important for us not just to be a place that pops up on Sunday and pops back down during the week, but a place that really extends love and invitation to the community around us. Um, And I'm just so proud of our team who's been loving on the teachers and the students at the Dream Academy. I know that it's a really big deal to those students and teachers. um, And that when we take an opportunity to love on them, they get to experience who God is in a new and fresh way. And so we celebrate that as a church. Thank you so much for all the work that you do, for your hearts, for your response to those tangible needs. Man, that's just how we build trust um, in the communities around us, and I appreciate it. Well, you do you all know what series we're in today? What are we in? Living on a prayer, living on a prayer. So I think Steve uh, took the first two weeks. Leonard was up last week. I am up this week, living on a prayer. Um, And we are looking at this prayer um, called the Shema. The Shema, which was just central to to the faith for the people in in the Old Testament, central to, to the Jewish people. And we've been focused on this prayer out of Deuteronomy, about what it means to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. And that's just been something that I have been really valuing getting to walk uh, with you on, especially at the top of the year. Um, And as we just really consider what does it look like to look inside of ourselves and to continue to take that journey towards spiritual transformation in ourselves and, um, and together. I think what I love so much about this series is that it just really gives us space. Um, In a year of challenges, it causes us to first look within ourselves. And um, I'm going to have you, can you pop back to the diagram for me? The, just the, yes. Okay, so Leonard made this. Steve, Steve kind of introduced it, but he had like a flip chart. Leonard made the diagram. Thank you, Leonard. I just took both ideas and put them in, in for mine, so I get to reap the benefits from that. But so we're, we're in this series about how do we love God with our heart, our body, and our mind. And when we do that, when we allow God to be the center of those places, how does that all sort of lead us to this integrated place in the soul? Because the soul is the deepest part of all of ourselves functioning from a place of wholeness. And our journey towards God is one of transformation. It is one where he gets to work into each of these places and bring us to a place of wholeness, of healing, and of freedom. And one of the reasons why I get so excited about a series like this is because I think it's really relevant to who we are as humans. I think this is a really beautiful example of how our humanity intersects with our spirituality. I think when I talk to people who don't know Jesus or who are, who are not part of the church, this idea of living from a whole and integrated place in our heart, body, and mind is something relevant. All people know what it means to experience brokenness in one of these areas. The question is not, you know, um, is there going to be brokenness? It's what do we do as humans with our brokenness in our heart, mind, body, um, and soul? And what does it mean to move towards wholeness in Jesus? 
I think so often some of the critique, the, the justifiable critique of the church, especially the Western church, has to do with people not really being serious about living from an integrated place. Because when we allow one of those parts to go unattended to, when we allow the heart to go unattended, the mind to go unattended, the body to go unattended and not be centered on Jesus, it shifts the place of our soul. And when that goes unattended, that leaves room for coping and masking and performing and all the things that eventually lead to breakdown. And I think one of the reasons that sometimes when we think about the, the Western church, we we unfortunately can think about things like hypocrisy or judgment or divisiveness. I think that ultimately flows from people who are living from a disintegrated place and not allowing the Lord to lead them to a place of true wholeness. And when that happens to one person and the next person, then it happens in a community, then pretty soon that community is producing something that is further apart from Jesus than what we say we're doing. That what we say we are doesn't match what we are or what we're doing. We are all broken people. We all experience brokenness. That's part of being humid, 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 human in this world before we're able to experience um, the new kingdom and the new earth. And so the question is not if we're going to be broken. It's what we do with that brokenness and how we allow God to transform us. I just long for there to be regular conversation in the church about integration like this. And I think if we go first in our own integration, in our own wholeness, we have to do that before we can approach the world around us. We have to go first in ourselves before we can bring the people around us to that same place. We have to go first in our own heart, body, and mind, and soul before we're able to bring the love of Jesus to that place and other people. And so I just welcome this opportunity to, to, to like get in the weeds of this together, to truly be the church in this way, to consider this, this ancient prayer of the Shema and what it means for us in our lives today and what it means for more wholeness in Jesus. Are you on the journey with me? Are we ready? All right, we're going to pray and then we're going to jump in. Father, we love you. We are so grateful that you um, are on this journey with us, that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter where we find our understanding of integration or of wholeness, that you are there with an invitation waiting for us to receive, um, waiting for us to respond. We just acknowledge that you are in the room, that your power um, is so great and so good, that you have the capacity to fill each of our hearts this morning in a new and fresh way. And so we welcome you. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Remove any barriers, remove any blinders, remove any feelings of like offness or heaviness, and Lord, just come. We are waiting and we welcome you. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, so we are going to start off with Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. I'm just going to read this prayer again with you all. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. 
Love the Lord your God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. This is important. This is a crucial prayer. This is the crux of faith. And the Lord is saying, I want you to talk about it. I want you to remember it. I want you to make it yours. I want you to make it part of your everyday. I want you to live it and breathe it and see it and feel it. And I want you to let it be your guide. Not just something you say, not just a box that you check off, not, not just this ritual that you go through to go through it. I want this to be alive and living and breathing in you. Pass it on to the people around you. Pass it on to your children. Pass it on to your neighborhood. I want this to be alive and the centerpiece of your faith. Something just really cool as an aside, there's a book about the Shema as we've been going through about loving the Lord your God in this way um, that we have downstairs in Kids Church. And so the kids are reading through this same prayer each week with us as we do, do it upstairs um, as well. And I just think that's a really cool way that we get to walk in this journey together. But today we're talking about loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. I wonder what you think about when we think about the heart. What is the heart? Well, in Jewish culture, this, the meaning heart would have centered around this idea of the will, of your will, your intention, your choices, your willpower, the thing it is that you want to do. Love your God with all of your heart, with all of your will, with all of your intention, with all of your choices. Now, if you're wondering what willpower is, you can just spend a couple of minutes with my preschooler, and you will know willpower. You will know the way that things should go, the, the way that they should flow, the priority that things have. We often say around our house, it doesn't always go the way we want it to go. It doesn't always go the way we want it to go. We, are, we all have this sort of intrinsic sense of our own plans, our own agenda, our own will, and our own way. And often our choices flow from our intention, our desires, the way that we want things to go. And so the heart sort of has to do with all of these things. Of it's, it's the way. It's, it's, it's our way or the Jesus way, right? And so we all have our own way. And that is represented in our hearts. Our will depends so much on our mind, but is ultimately our choice and our behavior that is driven by what we want. And so when it comes to loving God with all of our hearts, it's about a true wanting of what God wants. That our wants would be his wants, and therefore our way would be his way. That our will would uh, not just be determined by our human wants, but be formed, be shaped by a wanting of his. And we hear so much about the heart in scripture, right? We hear about creating me a clean heart, renew my heart, guide my heart, hear the cry of my heart. Because ultimately the transformation of our hearts has just a crazy amount of impact on our way, on our lives, on what we do, on what we plan, on what we're about. And the transformation of our will and of our desires impacts our choices, which then impacts our behavior, which changes our very sense of self. The heart is central to who we are and to what we're about. And the transformation of our will impacts everything in our life. 
So now that we know that the heart has to do with our will, our intention, and our choice, the question still is, how do we love God with all of these things? Not part of my will, some of my choices, a little bit of my intention, but how do I love God with all of my heart, with all of these things? And the first, the first thing I want to talk about is this idea of to choose. How do we love God with all of our heart? To choose. Our choices are directly connected to our heart. And I don't know about your relationship with choices. Um, maybe you are somebody who loves to choose. You know exactly what you want. You are in a group and they're like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go for dinner? And you're the one who like guides the whole, the, the whole thing, right? You make the choices. You make it happen. Um, you know what you want and how you're going to get it. And you're totally fine about like putting all your choices out there. Maybe you're somebody who like gets overwhelmed by choices, right? And you feel like your choices may represent something inside of you that you're just not sure if you're ready to like let everybody know yet, right? Based on like what you choose or what you do that says something about you. And depending on who you're with, you're more apt to be like honest about your choices or not because it reveals a part of yourself and you kind of um, measure what parts of yourself are revealed to what groups of people. I wonder your relationship with your choices. We always have a choice. Our choices reflect our state of being. They reflect who we are. And we always have a choice. So when it comes to this journey of loving God with all of our heart, it really is a journey of being open to spiritual transformation. And our spiritual transformation is our choice. God will not force transformation on you. He will give you a choice. Your choice represents your dignity as a human. It represents your, your power, your sense of self that God created us to have, and he will not put his way on you. It is your choice. And I think sometimes when it comes to spiritual matters, we get a little like weird about choices. We get a little passive or disconnected. Um, I think sometimes we over-spiritualize spiritual transformation, which kind of sounds funny, but bear with me here, I think we, we make it be this big, huge thing, this big, huge moment, this thing that only God can do. And when he waves his wand over in our direction, if maybe it comes and, and meets us, then we have this moment where everything is transformed like a lightning bolt and we move forward a new person. And that's it. And while I believe that God still does miracles, I believe that he still has moments of breakthrough and power and he meets people in places in, in new ways, I also believe that we have a choice. That we can become too passive in our own story of transformation. That we can become somebody who's not a participant but a consumer of it. That we can kind of sit back and just watch everything play and just think, well, you know, if it gets me at the right time or if something piques my interest that day or if I really agree with what was said, then I will engage in this thing. But I'm just kind of going to sit back and see what happens or see maybe what God chooses to do. But you can't love God with somebody else's heart. You can only love him with yours. And your spiritual transformation, the journey of your heart, it is your story. And I don't want us to become disconnected. I don't want us to be disengaged. I don't even want us to be overwhelmed because sometimes disconnectedness or disengagement just comes from just being overwhelmed and not sure what the next step is to take. But I want us to recognize that we are a participant in the journey of our spiritual transformation and a big player in that story is us. We always have a choice. I'm going to tell you about how this looked for me. 
So I am totally like a recovering, still recovering people pleaser. I'm the oldest in my family. I was brought up, um, I think, just in a, in a church culture, um, also in a family culture that, like, you do what you need to do to take care of the needs of everybody else before you take care of your own. And you exist to, like, make life comfortable and safe for everybody. And so you alter how you act or what you do or what you say just to kind of, like, make sure everybody's okay and make sure everybody's good and kind of fade into the background. And so that always meant putting the needs of other people before my own. And so now as an adult, I can sometimes get overwhelmed or disappointed um, by circumstances that don't go the way I think they should go, or I can sometimes feel stuck in my own story and even like a victim where I start to disengage. And I remember being in a situation where I just felt disappointed. It was not going the way that I thought it was going to go. I was overwhelmed. I was unsure. I was um, insecure. And I just, I, I just felt like I quit at this. Like, I, I got to get out of this. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to make this happen. And I'm just stuck in this thing, and it's overwhelming me. And I don't know how to get out of these circumstances. And I was in this relationship with a friend, mentor, coach, and she was kind of working with me on helping to find my voice, which I needed. And at, in this conversation, she said, do you, do you give me your permission to like reflect back to you what I see you saying? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, this is real for me, it's a big deal, right? So she did this role-playing scenario with me where she reflected back to me this, the statements I was making and like the tone and the messages that I was sending. And it was really painful to watch. Like what she reflected back at me, I saw somebody who was lost. I saw somebody who had forgotten who they were. I saw someone who forgot the power and authority they had and the purpose that God had given them. I saw someone who wasn't secure with how they were wired or created to be or who didn't know what was inside them to say. And I just saw somebody who was just disappointed and stuck and and not fulfilling what it was that God had given them to do. And it was depressing to watch. And I will, I will never forget that moment because I saw her be me to me. And I was like, oh, I don't want that to be me. Like, that's not what I want to do. I saw someone who was allowing external circumstances and external factors to determine the internal journey of myself and my heart and my transformation. And I did not like what I saw. I saw somebody who quit. And I had to recognize that while not all of it was perfect, while my circumstances matter, there was definitely some unfair parts of my scenario. I still had a choice. I still had room to take ownership over my situation when it felt too big or out of my grasp or unfair. But to do that, I had to name it and I had to own what it is in me to do and my choices needed to reflect that. End of story. Like it was that simple. There was always an opportunity for me, no matter how big my circumstances, how confusing, how unfair, there was always an opportunity for me to move towards what is authentic in me. And I believe that loving God with all of your heart is this idea of will and choice, and it's impacted by two things. Agency, it's not just going to happen to you. You have to participate in it. You have to move it forward. And authenticity, it is yours, and it is no one else's. 
that when it comes to loving God with your whole heart, you have a part to play. You have those choices to make. God is not going to force his transformation on you. You have power to choose, and you have to move in that direction. And authenticity, it has to be yours. It has to be your story. Our life experiences and our life circumstances affect our sense of agency and our choices. Our experiences and our culture also defines our choices. Maybe exercising your ability to choose is difficult because you've always been in spaces where you're responsible for the needs of other people over your own. All those people pleasers, oldest siblings, codependent people in the room, I see you, we're here and we know it, right? It's the truth. Maybe you feel disconnected from who you are, and so making choices that reflect who you are is hard to do because you're not even really sure what it is you have to do and who God made you to be. Maybe the ability to choose is really scary because you feel responsible for something you don't fully understand or know how to engage on or how to grasp. Maybe for you it is those circumstances. Maybe those circumstances when things get too big or overwhelming or too hard, you question God and you say, what is he doing? I can't find him or see him. How do I love God? How do I choose to move towards him when I don't understand what it is he's doing? How can I love him when I'm stuck or when I'm disappointed? How can I love God with all of my heart when all of this is happening to me? But like I said before, no matter our relationship with our choices or our understanding, we can only love God with our hearts. We can't love him with someone else's. And this is your journey. It's not your parents' journey. It's not your friend's journey. It's not your church's journey. It's not the journey that you do because you think you should. It's not the journey that you do with the person that you let everybody think that you are. It's for you. And it's not the 2023 you. It's you right now. It's not even the 2024 you that you're still trying to get to. It's you. Wherever you are right now, this is your story. It is your journey. And when we talk about loving God with all of our hearts, it is about us choosing with the most authentic, deep part of ourselves, God, I want to love you. And I want my choices to reflect you. And I want to move forward in my story towards you. I want to do the work in myself so that I can receive you and love you in a new and fresh way. I want to love you with my heart. Are you with me this morning, Forest City? Do we know what it means to have a choice in our own transformation? To choose. The number two thing that we're going to talk about today is to yield. So if we, part of loving God with all of our heart is choosing with this authenticity and power that we each have. As we choose to move towards him, there's also a yielding that comes in, to yield to his way. The heart is connected to all that we are and all that we do. And if you want to know where your heart is aligned with, the way that your heart is aligned to, begin to look at your life. Where is your time? Where is your energy? Where is your affection? Where are your desires? What are the things that are flowing out of your life? And whatever direction those things are pointing, that lets you know what is currently at the center of your heart. That lets you know what way you are currently aligned to. 
So much of what we're talking about regarding this idea of integration, of loving God with these different areas of ourselves so that we can move towards wholeness in him. So much of this, these ideas come from an author named Dallas Willard. He wrote a book called Renovation of the Heart. And I actually, way back in the day, went through this book with my mentor uh, when I was like, I don't know, in my early, early 20s. And it was so interesting at that time to be thinking about this information because I had grown up in church. Like, to say I had grown up in church is actually an understatement. Like, I had done everything you could do at church. <laughs> I had been in church. I had participated in church. I performed at church. I taught kids church. I went to VBS. I did youth group and college. Like, I did all the things. I was in all the places that you should be. I had all the knowledge that you should have. I tried really hard with, like, a, an honest heart to, like, really want to be good and do good and be a part of this thing. But yet, when I read this book, Renovation of the Heart, Dallas Willard. It led me to these places inside of my heart that I recognized I was holding back from God. Even though I had been in all the right spaces, even though I had been doing all the right things, even though I had been hearing all the right things, with, with, like, with wanting, wanting it for the right reasons, I still had bypassed some areas of my will in my heart that I did not want to give over to God. And I think that's what's so important about, about this conversation is because we can be doing all the right things and we can be in all the right places and we can be, be checking off all the boxes and from the outside, nobody else would know. We might even not know until we say yes to the internal work of being self-aware of what's inside of us and inviting God into the places that we want no one to know about or that we're not even ready to give away. Because it's those places that represent what our heart is truly aligned with. And when Jesus says, love me with all of your heart, he's not talking about the things that are easy to give away or the things that are easy for people to see. He's talking about the stuff that we want to hold on to, the stuff that we want to protect, the stuff that we want to hide, the stuff that we want to manage, the stuff we want to maintain, the things that nobody else would know and that if we're honest, we wouldn't even know unless we got really honest about ourselves and the status of our hearts. And that's why this conversation is so important because we have no business going to bring wholeness to other communities or other people before we really, we really open our own selves for wholeness ourselves. Do you know what I'm talking We have no business telling other people how to do it before we're willing to do it ourselves. And when we do, that comes from a, like a hypocritical place. And people can see that what we're saying is irreal. We're not fooling anybody. And so we have no business proclaiming a message of something that we have not internalized or experienced as wholeness in ourselves. And I say that because I've done it. Because I thought, I knew what to say. I have all the knowledge. No, 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 you don't have that right. I have done it. I get it. I know what that looks like. But I also know what it means to, to look at yourself and, and, and have an honest realization of, hey, there are things that I'm holding on to that I know that God is asking me for, and I'm scared to give them away to him. And this is what it means to yield in our lives. And so let's talk a little bit more about, like, what exactly that looks like for us. 
Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for everything else flows from it. So whatever is in our hearts, whatever way of life our hearts have accepted or are operating on, that is going to flow out of our life. That is going to flow into our relationships. That is going to flow into our home. That is going to flow into our work. That's going to flow into how we view ourselves and our relationships with ourselves. That's going to flow into how we view people. It's going to flow into how we view God. It's going to flow into every area of our lives. And so when we are talking about the heart, when we're talking about relinquishing our heart and our way to the way of God, we really have to guard our hearts against a couple of things. And I, I used to think this verse was all about like teenager in the church in the 90s is all about you got to love the right person. You got to love not not you got to love the right person, right? The moral person. And that, that's partly true. You got to you got to like love the right person. But it's about so much more than who you love. This like romantic part of the heart, it's about what you love. It's about what what love you are aligning your heart with in your life. We have to guard against pride and against fear. Because here's the thing. It's going to be really hard to give away the things that are important to us in our own way if, one, we think we know the best about how it should go, or, two, we're too scared to let it go for fear that we won't really get what we want or what we need or we won't really be taken care of. And here, those are really the same thing, honestly. Like pride, pride can show up in a sense of arrogance and also in deep, deep fear because they both feed into the same realization that, God, you don't have what's right for me. You don't have what's good for me. You are not enough for me. Your plan for my life isn't going to get me to where I think I need to go. It's not going to fully satisfy me or my dream or my purpose. And when we say those things over and over and over again, they show up through, no, I know what's best or like, I'm too afraid to let this go. And God is saying, if you want to love me with your whole heart, you've got to trust me that I have what's good for you, that I am faithful in your life, that as I move you towards wholeness, I know the way for your heart. And you can trust me with everything that's important to you and everything that's authentic to you and all the areas that make you feel vulnerable because I've got you, because I know you, because I made you, because I created you. And I am telling a story that is bigger and greater and better than you could have ever hoped or imagined, but you've got to let go what you think is better for me to be able to have room to pour in what I've got for you this morning, church. We've got to be honest about those places in our lives and wherever it is, whether it's arrogance, whether it's fear, I'm here to tell you the mor this morning, it is pride. It is my way is better. My way is going to get me what I need. My way is going to fulfill me, and there's no room for pride when we are moving towards a place of deep integration that assumes the way of Jesus. Because the life of Jesus was humble, and it was serving, and it was relinquished, and it was open, and it was flexible. It was adaptable. Man, I wish somebody would have taught me how to be flexible and adaptable as a kid. I wish that would have been something I learned. I'd say, Romy, we're going to practice flexibility today. It didn't go your way. We're being flexible. Let's, let's solve that problem. Like, I wish I would have grown up with some of these tools because to be flexible and adaptable in life is to be accepting of things that aren't just of our own, and it makes us more open 
do what it is God wants to do. The way of Jesus is, is relinquishing what's important to us, is to be open to be shaped by him, to be humble, to be open, to be ready. And it requires trust. It requires so much trust. I talk about my daughter a lot because she teaches me so much. I think being a mom has been one of the most formational <laughs> times um, as, I, as I look to what it means to follow Jesus for myself in this season. And um, my daughter has a very, very strong will. I mean, I'm a people pleaser. My husband grew up that way as well. This girl, I don't know where she came from, but she has no people pleasing bone in her body. She has no desire to do what you want her to do and no need to care about your feelings. She is good on her own. And so we've been like, wow, like this is, wow, what do we do with this? Like we want her to have that, but whoa, parenting that is like a whole thing. And just how do we, how do we do it? And if you know her, you know exactly what I'm talking about, which is why everyone's laughing because you've all seen her express her will in some way or another around this church. And here's the thing, like whenever I get in a power struggle with Romy, like I'm probably not going to win, okay? Like I'm just not. Like the yielding, I mean, there are times that I've been like, Romy, I am your mom. I need you to trust me that wearing your coat to school is going to be important later in the day. I hear you and I see you and I know you really wish you didn't have to wear your coat, but you've got to wear your coat to school because you're going to need, I need you to trust, just trust me. Like if I can't talk you into it, can you just trust me, right? Yielding requires trust. Giving in requires trust. Letting go of our own way requires so much trust. And if you want to know if you are in a power struggle with God, I want you to look at the areas of your life that feel heavy. I want you to look at the areas of your life where you feel burdened, where you feel weighed down, where you feel burnt out, where you feel like you are carrying something and you just don't know if you can like make it to the finish line. I am from Michigan and I love the beach. I love the beach. I loathe climbing sand dunes. It's like my least favorite thing to do. I think, Leonard, was it, you told me that your like workout of choice is the Stairmaster. And I was like, of course Leonard's workout of choice is a stair. Like that makes so much sense knowing Leonard, right? I hate going uphill, especially in a sand dune because it's hot, first of all. It just, it's, hot, it's hot. And then you put your foot in the sand and it just like pulls you back further down. And like every step you make, you just kind of get put, like it's like you're not really going anywhere. And it takes so much exertion and so much discipline. And I've had one too many breakdowns on the side of a sand dune, let me tell you. I just can't, Stephen knows. I just can't do this anymore. Why are we doing this? It's not fun. Like, I don't want to do this. It's hot. I'm not making any progress. It's just uphill. It's too heavy. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not moving anywhere. What is it in your life that you feel like you are just pushing uphill? Where is it in your life that you feel weighed down and burdened, that you're stuck? What, what is it that you're carrying and whatever whatever heaviness or burden you are experiencing is reflective of that maybe tension in your life from holding on to something that God is asking you to let go of. And it's getting too heavy to carry. And it's getting too hard to constantly have on your back. 
and it's causing you to not be able to move into any other places or spaces in your life because you're constantly held back by this thing that you just want to hold on to. Whether it's your dream, your health, your future, your identity, your purpose, your coping mechanisms, your escapes, where are the things that you are holding on to that God is just saying, trust me, you gotta let it go. You gotta give it away. You gotta lay it down. You gotta move it out of the way. It might sound good right now. I see you and I hear you and I know you really wanna hold on to that thing, but it's too heavy. You gotta, you gotta leave it. You gotta leave it behind. Because what I have for you is so much better and greater and beautiful and freer. And if you say you follow me, that means that you have this ability to experience my healing and my freedom and my wholeness. And I know it's not going the way that you want it to go. Or I know you haven't had your moment, your lightning bolt moment of, of everything changed. But what I'm asking you to do is to move into this new way. Not just this new circumstance. Not just this new happening. This new way of following me. Whatever it is that you have like a grip on, I just would encourage you this morning to get honest with yourself, to look inside of yourself and to say, God, I need you to come into that place. I need you to shape that thing of mine. I need you to help me move past this coping mechanism, this, this, um, programmed response that I do. I need you to shape my view for my future or my dreams. I need you to shape my satisfaction. I need you to shape my desires. I need you to shape my will and my choice and my attention. And it's not going to be about my preferences or my rights or the, the way I think it should be. I want it to be about your way. When I choose my own way, it is out of pride. It is out of I know best or that I'm afraid that God isn't good enough to give me what I want or what I need. And I even recognize in this season of my life, right now, I'm right on that journey with you. Right with you. Even this week, I did not have the time I wanted to attend to this teach. I didn't. I did everything in my power to get there. It just didn't work. I just have felt off. I can't get some stuff in my life in order. It feels like I don't, I don't feel competent like I want to feel. I don't feel in control like I want to feel. Like if I'm supposed to lead this campus, then Lord, I need to like have a certain amount of things work out in my way. Like I need my kid to sleep through the night. One, that'd be great. I need to like have the time I need. I need, I need all these things to do what you've asked me to do, God. Don't you see that? I even sometimes feel like, you know what? I'm up here on this stage and there's so much vulnerability in me right now that I'm figuring out. I, I, my life isn't the way I want it to go all the time. I don't always do the right thing. I don't have things all going perfectly. I don't always look the way I want to look on stage. There are all these things, even in church culture, that tells us what we have to perform and do and manage and be for success. And I'm here to tell you this morning, that sometimes our measures of success are totally off and we value all the stuff that we think is going to make us happy and it won't. Because God doesn't care about the outer things and the platform things and he cares about the hidden things. 
He cares about the internal things. And when we talk about loving God with all of our heart, it is an invitation to go deep in our own hearts, to put away all the measures of success, all the masking, all the coping, all the things we think we need to do and be about to succeed, and to go inside and say, God, have my heart from the innermost parts. Have my way, have my future, have my plans, have my resources, have my choices, have my will, have my heart. And wherever I feel burdened and heavy and like I can't make it happen, I just release it to you. And I pray that you would come and find me wherever I am. Do you know the, the, the Bible says that the Lord searches the earth to and fro for hearts that are turned towards him. And when he finds them, he strengthens them. Do you know this morning that wherever you are in your journey, however close or far towards transformation, wherever you are in, in, in holding something heavy, wherever it is in your vulnerability, that one shift of your heart, as Dallas Willard says, one shift of your heart, one cry of your heart, and the Lord responds. That's it. No questions asked. No other, one, one shift of like, Lord, I think I need you. One shift of God, hear the cry of my heart. One desperate plea towards him and he sees you and he responds. He is a God who is searching the earth for hearts that are turned towards him. This journey is possible. It is not just possible, it's for you. It was created for you. This is what you were created to do, is to have a heart that loves God with all of it and it will satisfy you and it will move you and it will shape you into the way of Jesus. And as we are shaped in the way of Jesus together, we can truly be the church that lives into the kingdom story that he has for us. Loving God isn't about our agenda, our political stance, our preferences, our comfort, or our expectations. Loving God is about loving him more than those things. And are we a people who consider what it is we have left to give away to let go of and to reprioritize in our life. Can you throw the directions up for me? So as we're going through these, this rule of life together that Steve introduced to us a couple weeks ago, and as we each have identified the places that we're going backwards and forwards and upwards and inwards and withward or outward, all of these places, it's up to us to engage in these individually, to invite other people into our story, and then it's up to us as a community when we say that we're going to do life together is about being about these things together, about doing these things together, about inviting other people into our story as we let go of and reprioritize and are shaped by the way of Jesus. As we recognize places that we've built around our own preferences, places that we've built over our own opinions, places that are things that we've built on how we want things to go. Because it's not just one moment that this happens. Loving God with all of your heart is a journey. And you reintroduce and reintroduce and reintroduce as you go. And there's going to be moments that we have to continually give away and give away and give away. Your God is so good. He is fulfilling all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He can be trusted. He is the foundation that we stand upon. And he is worthy. He is worthy of a new preference, a new opinion, a new way, a new intention, a new will, and a new choice. And not only is he worthy, he's so good that when we go that way, it will shape us and satisfy us and form us in a way that's better 
than we could have ever hoped or imagined. So let's be a people that lay it down, that gets honest and real, that lets go of the thing we want to hold on to, and that is truly formed by the way of Jesus so that we can be people who lead our neighborhood and our city, our family, and our world towards the way of Jesus that we know not because we say it, but because we've experienced it. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, I ask that you would just be so present this morning with your people. I pray, God, that you would, out of just a love of your people, that you would come close and come near. I pray about any burden, any heaviness, any weight that people have brought in with them this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would remove those barriers, that you would remove the weight, that you would assume the yoke because your way is easy, your burden is light. I pray that you would breathe life back into those of us who feel burnt out or stuck or disappointed. And God, that your Holy Spirit would just be so um, kind as we step into the invitation of laying our will, our choices, and our intention down so that we may assume and be shaped and formed by the way of Jesus. I pray you would show us what is the most important thing, what is the hardest thing, what is the priority of our heart, and you would move us in, out of compassion and love towards your heart and your will and your way. I pray that we would love you, that we would love people, that we would love um, reconciliation and beauty and justice, that we would love light, that we would love truth and goodness, that we would love the rebuilding and the creativity and the beauty that you are all about, and we would be people truly shaped by your way because it is a beautiful and good way. And that anytime anybody recognizes what's different about us or different about our way, we will be able to point them back to you. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for not leaving us. Thank you for not leaving us just as we are. Thank you for the hope of the journey with you. We ask all these things in your name. You are so good. We love you. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for hanging with me this morning, having the hard conversations, doing the work, have an amazing week, hang out with each other before you leave. We'll see you next week Sunday. We love you, everybody. Forest City Elgin. Have a great week.